and welcome back to another episode of Blossom Down. I am your host, Stephen Weed. Of course, always joining me in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, my co-host, Mr. Walter Lukashensky. Before I toss it to him, we want you to know this episode is brought to you by TabEase.com, the premier Delta A edible on the market, T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Use promo code FOOTBALL for 20% off and free shipping in that order. Wally, we have our Super Bowl matchup. The craziness of this this year's playoffs continue in the championship weekend. But how are you doing, buddy? It's really been the greatest NFL postseason I can ever remember. The wild card weekend, yeah, was a little bit of a lull. But maybe just because my Raiders were in it, I had a little bit more fun than I typically do. And these last six games have been unbelievable. Only way it could really be sullied is if a really ugly Super Bowl happens. But with these two teams, I don't think it will. But just been overwhelmed with how much good football we have. It's sad that we're about done. And then, of course, people at home are aware my family are Bengal fans beyond me. It was a really cool experience to watch those people all celebrate in a way that (laughs) you guys understand. It doesn't happen. It's been 30-some-odd years since they've won a playoff game. And now it looks like they're going to be a fixture in the AFC for a long time. But, Steven, how about you? How are you doing, man? By the way, they can't see it. I'm a loving the fit today. Teal Mighty Ducks hat and then a lower dot calm, kind of with that Los Angeles Dollars look. The Los Angeles Dodgers look. I'm trying to get those Los Angeles Dollars. That's why I'm coming in with that little bit of that drip today. Yeah, uh, I think for the next, I don't know why we haven't talked about it prior to this, but we need to get some sort of camera on your dad for the next like week and a half. Just to, I would love to just to be a fly in the wall watching him celebrate. The videos are good are good enough. I know they are not doing it justice or doing him justice at all of what it's like living in there uh, during this time. So I'm I'm envious. Please send more videos. Weekend's good. I'm ready to get out of the country. Just got my negative COVID PCR test. I'm good. As long as the weather holds up, Saturday morning, I will be in Aruba next week. So I cannot wait. I'll be drinking a lot, a lot of laying on the beach playing in the water, playing a little bit of golf. I can't wait. And then the weekend I come back and I got and I have Valentine's Day off because the the day before it is the Super Bowl between the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. What a time. But Wally, we have to get this out of the way. I'm not going to go into it. I'll let you speak because I ripped this away from you last week. This is your your turn to start ripping me. Yeah, and first of all, we'll give the warning to the listeners at home that we don't really know yet what next week's show is going to look like with you in Aruba. We don't know how the internet connection will go. But at the very least, you'll have me. Hopefully, we have Steven, too. But you're right. I was kind of robbed a little bit last week. We had a little mix-up there in the middle of the show. Had to get things figured out. But you were adamant that the Buffalo Bills would beat the Kansas City Chiefs, and I was adamant that the Kansas City Chiefs would beat the Buffalo Bills. I got lucky. I mean, I think both of us were lucky over and over in that final few minutes, but it ended up with me being the last lucky team. Oh, my God. It was ridiculous. I was like, yes, suck it, Wally. Fuck. Fuck you, Pat Mahomes. Yes, suck it, Wally. Fuck you, Pat Mahomes. Coin flip, fuck you, Pat Mahomes. Exactly. Just fuck you, Travis Kelsey. Oh, my gosh. That play, and I know we're getting off topic going two weeks back now, but that play at the end of the game where they hot-routed on the field was awesome. Something that you'll... See, for a long time with Patrick Mahomes, it's that intelligence. And with how many great quarterbacks are leaving the game over the last few years, it's good to have the new ones. And we will get into Tom Brady and other topics going on in the league. But, Steven, you're right. We had a bet going into that game. The bet was whoever lost had to wear the rival team's jersey in the first matchup of our teams next year. For me, it would have been, I have to wear a Chiefs jersey for the first Raiders-Chiefs matchup. For you, you have to wear a Chicago Bears uniform for the first Green Bay Packers-Bears matchup. And this is awesome. So, as you know, your buddy, Adam Alfonso, he's kind of the head of the Bears Coalition on this listener podcast right here. I had to talk to him because I wasn't really sure. I had heard a couple suggestions of, like, Shea McClellan, the guy that broke Aaron Rodgers' collarbone way back in, like, 2011, I think. That's just classless. I, hey, hey, I notice how I said it was suggested. It did not go that way because when I talked to Alfonso, he had the best idea in the world, and I have no idea how it slipped through the cracks for me. You have to wear a Robbie Gold jersey. 
the guy that sent the Green Bay Packers home this year, you're going to be sporting his Chicago Bears jersey next year in the first matchup. Gotta love it. It's a lot of salt in a large wound. And Fonz, damn it. He's so good at this shit. He has been waiting for this opportunity. And I know once I put that bet out there, and, and I'll do it. You'll see the pictures, unfortunately. I know Adam's going to try to find a way to come see me or definitely snag that picture to blow it in my face for probably the next 30 or 40 years, however, until I'm dead, essentially. So this is my nightmare. It will make it will make me feel a little bit better if I'm not watching Aaron Rodgers because it, it, I'll just feel guilty. No, like, see, no but it, I can't do it. <laughs> Adam and I are going to be, I feel like the same way you would have been in reverse with me. I'm going to be like a deer hunter on that day. I'm going to find you. I don't care if you're in the deepest bunker on earth hiding for three hours with this on. I will go dog the bounty hunter on you. I will get you and turn to God, dude. Right when that game is done, I am burning that fucking jersey. (laughs) Fuck Robbie Gold. (laughs) Fuck the Bears. Fuck the Niners. Fuck you, Adam. Even though, congrats, he they are he is expecting here, so I'm glad that he got this out of the way. My, oh, that's awesome. I did not know that. That's great. Check the Instagram story. Bags are packed any day now. Little Steven or Stephanie Alfonso is what I'm assuming that he's going to uh, to name this child. I don't know. Just based off some, some great influence of one of his favorite podcasts. I can't believe it that it's been nine months already. It's... It felt really like yesterday that you brought that news up and I was all giddy for them on here and now they're actually any day. Anyways, that that's awesome. Congratulations to you too and it's going to be even better when he, the first game that little fella is going to be out in the world for, he's going to have Uncle Steve in a Chicago Bears jersey. Boo, boo. Congrats on the sex though, Fonz. I'm very proud of you, man. This week's recap segment is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, advertising, and more. Especially if you are at me and Wally's age, or college graduations, engagements, weddings, baby pictures, you name it. Feels like they're happening every weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself on abbyturnerphoto.com. Or on her Instagram at Sawdad and Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. The NFL Championship Sunday. We were going to start on the AFC side where the Bengals came back from an 18-point deficit to stun not only the fans in Arrowhead, but basically everyone, including people that are there in Cincinnati, by beating the Kansas City Chiefs in overtime, holding Pat Mahomes to three points in the second half. So with this win... Joe Burrow now is tied for the Bengals franchise record with three playoff wins, putting him potentially in two seasons, setting that franchise record with the win on Super Bowl Sunday here. But they were down 21 to three. The Bengals, like I said, held the Chiefs to three in that second half, and their defense came alive. Von Bell with the clutch interception in overtime. Tyreek Hill getting shut down. I mean, this is, I we never saw this coming. I love the Bengals to cover the spread last week at the plus seven. That's a lot of points. But for them to over, just to win overall, this was an amazing. And Joe Shiesty with the glasses on. This man's different, Wally. I love his cockiness. The swagger that that guy has is different. And there's a reason why you keep seeing the nicknames Joe Cool, Joe Burr, Tiger King. He has more nicknames in his second year than any player in any sport I can ever remember. And it's because of this guy's confidence. He's impossible not to root for he backs it up and I think that's why he's so infectious right now people will get tired of him people get tired of these all-time quarterbacks especially when you're the one playing them year in and year out so that will happen at some point but enjoy it right now Bengals fans because you are America's darling especially knocking out Jackson Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes fiance whatever I think it's Brittany Matthews oh they 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 both are the worst they're not the best they are. They definitely are not the best. Yeah, we're we're in agreement there. But this game, it was a culmination of what this Bengals team really was this year, where it never felt like they were the more talented team, but they just find a way to win. And this was very similar to the Week 17 matchup these these two teams had. The Bengals were down 11 at half and won on a walk off field goal after holding Kansas City to three points in the second half. That is crazy, especially to do it at Arrowhead 
less than two months after you did it to them before, you can only tip your hat. I mean, I've been so critical of Zach Taylor, and all he's done is shove it up my hope and prove that he deserves this job. He deserves this chance. And he's going to be around for a long time now. So Cincinnati better get used to him. Now, Pat Mahomes getting completely shut down in the second half. Again, I'll say it once and I'll say it twice now. Three points. And it's something I feel like we were alluding to here earlier on during this win streak. I, I know me. You, you know now my pitchfork is in hand leading that mob. Now I'm like, yes, at least some of my ranting here early on in the season is coming to, is coming to fruition. Finally, in front of my eyes, Pat Mahomes, I was extremely critical of what this Chiefs team was doing during that win streak. Yeah, their defense, yada, yada, three straight, three straight games. They held their opponents at nine points. Cool. But look at who they were playing and look what they did in those second halves. They were doing that all year. It was just a matter of time before it actually happened in the playoffs. Lo and behold, here on this past Sunday, that's exactly what we saw. If you three points against the Giants in the second half in that victory on a Monday night. They had three or six against Green Bay in the second half. They had like three against... The only time they scored more than anywhere from three to six points in the second half was against the Las Vegas Raiders. And then they had a nice last few games here heading into the playoffs. And what they've been doing all year, which seems to be the trend in the playoffs, that's what's going to come bite them in the ass. And that's exactly what happened. It it did bite them in the ass, but... What else did they do all year that kind of went into this game is that we've been, and everybody has, it's not just us, but this Chiefs team is too cute. They don't just go out and play football sometimes. And at the end of this half, first of all, I want to get your take on that, where it was 21-10, to and the Chiefs had an opportunity to kick a field goal to make it a 14-point game going to half, or at the very least, you throw it into the end zone, where if it isn't caught, you have the field goal, and if you do complete the ball. It's a 28-10 game, and you don't feel like the Bengals really can come back. Do you agree with that call, first of all? And I'll save my second part. I want to save my second part for after I hear that question. It it was in Tyreek Hill's hand. That's the guy you want to go to outside of Travis Kelsey in the end zone. Honestly, any game outside of an AFC championship game or a Super Bowl game, I'm taking the points there. But I like the call there. I would be a little bit aggressive. That's what you need. You need That would be almost what, what would have felt like a knockout punch early going into it. And then Kansas City gets the ball to start the second half. But that was clearly a, the game-changing play because Pat, Pat Mahomes and that offense was not the same after that play to end the first half. So it was huge for Cincinnati's defense. You saw them play. Great adjustments made on that staff, as well as just the confidence of like, okay, we we got this stop here. We thought we're going to give up minimum three more points. You know, and if you think about all the points they could have given up, seven full, that's a seven-point swing right there. Just that little that little out route to Tyree Kill that ended up biting in the ass. I like the aggression. You got to understand the situation and just know that you need points regardless of who you have and at the quarterback and wide receiver positions. Just take the points in your read and it was clearly the game-changing play. See, I actually was fine with them going for it. They had three straight touchdown drives to start this game. Felt like the Bengals had nothing to do with it. And you put Tyreek Hill in space where he needs a yard. We see how often he's able to make a move. I would have thrown it to the end zone. Like I said, that way, if nothing's there, you can throw it out the back and you settle for three. Didn't happen, though, and it was a hell of a play. Was that? I think it might have even been Eli Apple on the tackle and with how confident he's been on social media when he really isn't backed up on the field up until this year, you got to give the guy a ton of credit because he's been backing it up so far. But what I had a problem with was the second half. The Chiefs didn't really adjust at all. Meanwhile, the Bengals, they went into the second half, almost 50% of their snaps, they dropped eight people into coverage in Kansas City, just banging their head against the wall decided that they were going to still throw it almost every down, not just run it with Jarek McKinnon, who looked pretty good in this game. When they were running with him, it felt like they had a little bit of space. And then all of a sudden, what did you have? You had the Chiefs four or five straight drives not scoring to start the second half, really put the Bengals in a position to come back because even they stalled a few times when it felt like the Chiefs were leaving the door open. So I just, really surprising. But I will say, Patrick Mahomes is still 26 years old. 
it's not like he's this old guy. He's still growing. He's still learning. I know he has a lot of experience now, four straight years in the AFC Championship game, but it is important to realize that this guy still has a lot of growing to do, and when that happens, he's going to be very scary still. We have to bring up Evan McPherson, though. The guy went four for four in each of the first three games of the playoffs to get the Bengals to this position, which a few crazy stats here for you. That ties him with Adam Vinatieri for most four field goal games in his career. NFL history, most four field goal games, and he's 22 years old as a rookie. Most ever field goals made in a single postseason without a miss. He's had five game-winning field goals this year, two in the last two weeks, one to send him to the AFC Championship game on the road. That was a 52-yarder, I believe. And then you have this week, even though it was short, Another game when he field to send you to the Super Bowl? I, I honestly think this might be, in front of our eyes, one of the best seasons a kicker's ever had. Ice in his veins. And he's just as cocky as Joe Burrow. He's just not getting the recognition. But we're hearing stories from Joe Burr himself about how confident this guy is. I don't care if it's a 26-yarder. I saw him miss around that range with my own eyes in person. So I've seen those kicks be missed. That's for 22-year-olds to go out there, be cocky. Oh, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship game. Well, looks like we're going to the Super Bowl. Maybe it's going to come down to him. Well, looks like uh, looks like I need to get fitted for this ring. Is that the next thing that's going to come out of his mouth, you think? It might be. I Honestly, out of Evan McPherson, I could see it. But it's just surreal to believe it when you look at in the regular season, most kickers in the NFL are going to be in that high 70s to high 80s range. It's Kind of hard to be in the NFL and not be that consistent during the year. But once you get into postseason, it's so difficult to continue to kick when the entire world's watching. It's miserable wherever you are most of the time, weather-wise. And again, your entire team, there's 50 people, 52 people standing in a corner watching you. And one of the sidelines is wanting you to fail. The other is expecting you to make it to go to the Super Bowl. So... You, you, got, you can't say enough about this 22-year-old kid. It's, again, it's a youth movement on the Bengals, and I'm very excited to see what they do going on the road, air quotes in road, to face the Rams. Let's go into the Rams now. Kyle Shanahan, regrettably for me, is a part of another fourth-quarter playoff collapse. They were up 17-7 to in the fourth quarter, and yet again, Kyle Shanahan sees one of his teams collapse in front of everybody. I'm one of the biggest Kyle Shanahan defenders on earth, but I'm really kind of running out of excuses for scenarios like this. 28-3, okay, well, he was just the offensive coordinator in that Super Bowl. Okay, well, up two scores in the fourth versus the Chiefs. Uh, Well, it is Mahomes. He's going to be really special, but now it's three. Up 10 in the fourth quarter against the Rams. I'm starting to get a little nervous that there's something more to this. Correlation doesn't always mean causation, Wally. But in this case, I am on your side. There's always something. He's been at the highest, that large lead as the Falcons OC. That's that's bad because he was the one play calling. So you might as well just be the head coach at that point. The Super Bowl against the Chiefs, and now you have this. It's embarrassing. Matt Stafford, down 10. That The Jimmy G... This whole quarterback wins bullshit, this is why this stat does not matter about quarterback wins. It's a team game. And Jimmy G, that interception in the fourth quarter, what, dude goes three for nine with an interception? Like, my goodness, this is Jimmy Clutch is the guy where that you want to back up and Debo Sam was like, oh, all he does is win. No, that's all he does right there. Just comes up short and just cannot finish it off. Well, it's crazy to think about, too. It might be the difference of three rings right now. Because there's a very real chance that if the 49ers beat the Rams, that they do beat the Bengals again in SoFi in a couple weeks. And the other two, you can't even defend it. They would have been Super Bowl winners. Up 25, and then up, I want to say it was two scores with about eight minutes to go against the Chiefs. And then you lose by double digits? I just, I'm running out of things to say because he's brilliant. It's clear he's brilliant, but he gets so conservative late in these big games where one little sequence stood out to me. The Rams just went down and scored, and I'll get into Cooper Cup because that man is a god. 
but it was 17 to 14 with about eight minutes to go, I want to say. And the 49ers had the ball second and one on the Rams' 45-yard line. And they get stuffed on third and one, and it goes to third and two, and they have to immediately punt the ball instead of potentially going back up 10 and punching your ticket to the Super Bowl. And they got conservative, and it's something that you just get so annoyed when coaches get out of their tendencies when the postseason gets going. And that's why I wasn't upset with Andy Reid going for the touchdown at the end of the first half. You want to be your team. That's why I wasn't upset with Brandon Saley with the Raiders game. Your team is going to feel that panic when you start to panic. And that's what is, I feel like, turning routine for teams under Shanahan. And you can almost like flip the script and and we need to also give credit to Sean McVay. That guy just seeps confidence and he he'll he will build you. He's he's a lover. He'll build you up. He'll never break you down. Not saying that that's what Kyle Shanahan does, but he is that guy that will constantly inspire you. It doesn't matter if you're up 20 or if you're down 20. Sean McVay is going to be right there. And he just has a very resilient football team. They're playing very great on defense right now. And the, the Matt Stafford slump that I kept highlighting over the last few weeks leading up into the postseason, that seems to be dead and gone. And he's playing some of his best football here lately. But now they got Odell Beckham back involved with nine receptions for 113 yards. And you said it yourself, Cooper Cup. I mean, 11 for 142 and two touchdowns. He's a, This line cannot be tamed. He is ridiculous right now. He is the best receiver in the NFL. He seems unguardable. And just when you hear him talk about the plays that he's running in post-game interviews or if he's on the sideline, just the way he breaks it down, he's just a he's a smart football player. Dude's just a proven winner, just wins everywhere that he's that he's ever gone on. If it's middle school or high school championships to to what he did in, in college and you know what he's doing now in the league. I know it's your time now. That's your boy, Wally. It is, and I wish that I could, like, retroactively go back and make it so that this is an all-season award for MVP, because if there's ever been a year for this guy to earn it in a wide receiver too, this was it. This is one of the best wide receiver seasons of all time, both of the touchdown passes, and they were down 10. In the 49ers, it felt like we're about to punch the ticket, and that touchdown with... 10-ish minutes left, or what, 13 minutes, I think, to make it a three-point game. You could feel the boa constrictor go around Kyle Shanahan in the 49ers' throats when that happened. And the difference, I love, love Kyle Shanahan. I would kill for the Raiders to have him. I still think he's one of the best coaches in the NFL, and I would pick him probably right now as one of the top guys in the league for me. But the only problem is, between the two on Sunday... Kyle Shanahan created adversity, and Sean McVay overcame it. And this Rams team needed that win so bad after the last six games of that San Francisco 49ers team beating them, including the one in Week 18 that catapulted the 49ers into the playoffs. Fuck you, Los Angeles. Not that I'm upset about uh, Green Bay playing them and losing to them, inevitably. This is a, this is a scary team. The matchup is in their favor here, which obviously we'll kind of we'll dig into sooner rather than later. One second, Stephen. I do want to cut you off, though. First of all, great point about six straight losses. Felt like everything was going San Francisco's way in L.A. overcoming. That's very impressive. And now they get a home Super Bowl. But that's what I want to ask you about. They couldn't defend home field in actual home playoff games against a division rival. What makes us believe that this isn't going to turn into the Cincinnati Bengals home game in LA stadium. Yeah. I don't think that they can, they can control the ticket revenue if they, if they want to not sell them to 49ers fans, that's not going to happen. Of course, it's going to be a sea of orange, the orange crush, the Bengals are going to flood in the jungle travels. Wally, the jungle will be there. It's going to be insane. I'm going to be interested to see actually how many, if it's half and half, or maybe it's just a bunch of Rob Lowe's and just wearing the, just the NFL logo. And just I'm just happy to be here and hope they just both have a good time. But honestly, I just want to watch the halftime show. That's all I'm here for, guys. You saw how ridiculous the prices were for that game, right? I mean, most of the seats, it's like five figures you're talking. It, it, nobody like us, we're not supposed to be at those games. It's corporate. And that's the only way I could see the Rams having any kind of advantage is that it's playing right into their price point there in L.A. Yeah, 
ridiculous. I I think I saw nosebleeds for around sixty seven hundred something like that. I'm like the lower sections around a little bit slightly under twenty three thousand, and yeah, it's outrageous. I don't. I've came to that realization a long time ago. I, I was never going to a Super Bowl, but this definitely helps that realization. It's like yeah, I don't. No, I'm not. We'll be working a Super Bowl before we're ever there as a fan. Absolutely, and those are the best seats in the house. Preach. We want to remind you guys that Loss of Down is brought to you by Tabbies.com, the best Delta THC edible on the market. It's sugar-free, keto-friendly, gluten-free, heat-resistant, made of 100% pharmaceutical-grade ingredients with consistent dosing for the perfect edible experience. But hey, if you're not into Delta THC, that's not a problem. Tabbies offers an option with no THC while using the same proprietary drug delivery system to ensure that guaranteed dosage of CBD. Right now, Tabbies.com offers three flavors, galactic fruit, watermelon, and mint. They are perfect for any time your anxiety is high. I've been battling depression and anxiety for a long time, and it's not a fix. Like, Don't get me wrong about that, but it does make me feel much more at ease, hence the name. Whenever I am feeling overwhelmed, I seriously would recommend this, whether they were a sponsor or not. So please go and make sure you follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Tab East Co. That is Tab East Co. spelled T-A-B-E-A-S-E-C-O to be the first to know when they drop. You can get any of these products at tabease.com and with the promo code FOOTBALL, you can get 20% off your entire order and free shipping. So we're going to do a little bit of a switch Rooney. Typically, we would lead the show with topics, NFL stories, whatever's happening here in this in the sports world. But we wanted to get to the games first, kind of do uh, do with the topics here now since we are done with the games. Now, how can we not talk about Sir Thomas Brady? I can't sell it that short. The undeniable GOAT officially hangs up his cleats the first time. I think he's going to come back. He's going to get the itch. Giselle's like, you know what? You're actually fucking annoying. I'm, hey, I hate you just walking around the house and taking all these weird selfies. Like, just just go. Just go. And I'm tired of Gronk hanging around too. I was shocked when, when I found it out, especially with him coming up short in the playoffs here. And he just seems like a guy that would, that would like to have gone out on top. But yes, at the end of the day, he is the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. But just to at least get that eight Super Bowl victory and just walk away on top. Tom Brady, awesome career. Going to miss him. It's going to be very, very weird. First time in our life ever since we've really been able to remember football consistently that we're not going to have Tom Brady. And it feels very weird. I'm stunned. It devastated me as much as it did. I'm actually pretty sad about it. And all it kept reminding me of is the Kobe commercial when he was retiring. That he hits a three and you have fans that all over the arena going, you suck, Kobe. And he like stops. And he like turns and he like does the Hulk Hogan, let me hear you a little bit. And everybody starts doing that song of bas- about basically, we hated you so much, but we love to hate you. And it was like this special relationship we had with each other. And it's it feels that way, where it's like the entire world went from hating Tom Brady's guts about 10 years ago when he was about 35. And we started to really understand and appreciate how special of a talent he was. And then when he started getting the twilight of his career, we all were almost secretly happy to see him succeed a little bit because he's actually, he's a good guy. There's a lot of these times where these NFL athletes aren't and we're stuck rooting for bad people. So like when you see Brady's a down to earth person that busted his ass, that genuinely earned everything he's ever gotten here. I can't help but admire and respect him. And you said it. I feel really weird that we're about to enter an NFL without Tom Brady. Well, we all know the picture of him on when he got drafted. Yes, the pick number 199. So to your point, Wally, the guy worked his ass off. He grinded in. I've always appreciated Tom Brady. I was an, I'm an NFC lover. I'm not an AFC guy, so I never had to deal with it like you did. And Tuck rule, all that fun stuff. You know how to get that jab in there while we are talking about the GOAT. I hated him here for a few months while he ripped my heart out um, in the NFC Championship game last year in Green Bay. But overall, it's, I've, how could you hate that guy? He's not, yes, he's a little bit cocky. Yes, he's a little bit arrogant. He, how could you not be? He's got more, he's had seven Super Bowls. He has more than every NFL franchise 
One guy has more championships than 32 NFL teams. Ridiculous. But if you're not in Buffalo, New York, or Miami, you have to love Tom Brady. And if you're any, anywhere else, you just respect the hell out of the man. Put in the Anchorman gif right now, Vince Vaughn, ready to shake Ron Burgundy off. But God damn it, do I respect you. To what you said earlier about him potentially unretiring, one of my buddies, and I think there's a lot of people have brought it up, but should Tom Brady receive the Wayne Gretzky treatment? And by that, I mean moment he's retired, numbers retired, and almost, I think that it was immediate in the Hall of Fame for Wayne Gretzky because it was like, hey, we don't want you to wait. You're such an important part of our history. We want you in now. Because if I'm an NFC South team, I'd be advocating so hard for that because as soon as you have a bust in your numbers retire league-wide, it makes it a whole hell of a lot harder to come back. But now we're just going to completely shift to Patrick Mahomes taking that throne, apparently, and, and all the young AFC quarterbacks that they have coming up. The league is in good hands with this young crop, but we also have another quarterback that we knew was retiring as well, Big Ben, that we already knew. So this year, it officially ends that era. No more Peyton. Brady, Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, Big Ben, we're all done. We just have an aging Russell Wilson, an aging questionable Aaron Rodgers if he's going to return. And then you got the young Bucks, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. You can even throw Justin Herbert in there. Game is in good hands. And I can't wait to see who's going to be on top here at the end. Big Ben is definitely biting his pillow right now and being like this fucking guy. He couldn't even give me two weeks to enjoy this. Being in the sun, everybody so happy for me in my retirement. Brady comes along and everybody's like, oh yeah, who's that Big Ben guy? Who's that guy about? Oh yeah. I think it was a nice little jab, but we we had a little bit more of like a short, shortened farewell tour for Big Ben. Tom Brady just kind of threw, us on, threw it on surprise, but hey, he, did, he didn't win on the field like he wanted to. He had to win off the field and this is a nice little jab to him. I want to talk a little bit about the head coaching carousel right now as our next topic because I think it works actually well with a couple things we want to talk about today. First, we'll go into the spots that have been filled, and then we have to talk about the Brian Flores lawsuit and that situation because it's really unprecedented, and it feels like we're at a really important point in the NFL, at least in terms of how we go about hiring these head coaches. But before we get into all that, let me just spit by a few of these Jobs that have been taken here since we've last talked to you guys at home. The Raiders hired Josh McDaniels to become their next head coach. Next up, let's hope to extend Derek Carr. DeBull, and that's going to be a fun one too. Brian DeBull, he's going to New York. That sparked a little bit of the controversy we're talking about. Nathaniel Hackett, your boy Steven, he's going to Denver, which has a lot of people tying in Aaron Rodgers to that destination. We'll see if that happens. And then you have the Bears bring in another Matt and Ryan to fix all their problems. And what is it, Eberflus? I, I can never pronounce that name right. Something like that. I watched a live season uh, hard knock. So if you're unfamiliar, he was the Indianapolis Colts defensive coordinator before being hired. I don't understand why. I'll get into Chicago no matter how you want to break it down here. I want to start with you. How are you liking this Josh McDaniels hire? Because I like it a lot. I know that we saw it. We saw this, you know, 15, something around there years ago when he had his first go-around with Denver as a head coach. A little bit better of a situation here with a huge asterisk next to quarterback at being where that better situation is at. How are you feeling with Josh McDaniels as your new ball coach? I'm okay with it because I think that he wants Derek Carr. I think he wants that veteran presence. And from all accounts, when they first interviewed him, that was the selling point. It was, hey... We're going to run this kind of really creative offense with Derek Carr. I really believe that he's going to be able to learn it and execute it really at a high level. And if we can bring in a guy like Devontae Adams or, hell, even draft the wide receiver again, go through that struggle, I'm ready for it. This Raiders offense, we saw how talented they were the first half of this year. Once the injuries, the arrest, and all that caught up to him, that's when it kind of got out of hand. Out of all of them, I'm actually very happy with the fit that Josh McDaniels has in Vegas. But as for your Packer man, Nathaniel Hackett, he's in Denver. Do you have that belief that a lot of people do, that that connection with Aaron Rodgers is going to see Rodgers actually in the Mile High City next year? 
I definitely see that as a as a destination for Aaron Rodgers if he's looking to get out. They also just named that uh, Green Bay's tight end coach as the offensive coordinator under Nathaniel Hackett. Now, I'm a little bit curious. Nathaniel hasn't called any plays the last two years under Matt LaFleur. It's usually Matt LaFleur that's making those calls. So it's a very interesting very interesting decision for Denver, which we're going to get to about some of the stories coming out coming out there. You know, I have fun. Go to if, – if that's where Aaron wants to – End up have fun playing Pat Mahomes, Derek Carr in a revamped offense under Josh McDaniels in a surging Los Angeles Chargers team. Six out of your 18 games. That's not even including the other AFC powerhouses that you're going to be playing. So I, I like the roster that Denver has. We'll see how the defensive side of the ball is going to play, not being under Vic Fangio, that defensive, that defensive-minded coach that obviously got them playing to top five potential here this previous season. So I like the hire, and I like the Dable hire. Once you look at Josh Allen's numbers, he just got better every single year. And that is and that's all thanks to him as well as the offensive coordinator. So I'm interested to see how Josh Allen's progression going into his fifth year is going to look now with the new offensive coordinator. If he can stay that consistent. The Giants still have a lot of pieces. They need to work on that offensive line, but I still have no hope. There's another coordinator. Promise they need a proven head coach. They just keep going to unproven coordinators in that position to, to fill that void what bothers me most about it is the fact that there's not a lot of talent actually I know some people believe there is I think that it's a worthless spot to be and is it Dayball by the way I thought it was Dayball I keep hearing it two ways and I didn't know how to do it so props to you for the correct pronunciation there but I, I have nothing against him but this is a really good way to actually like throw us into the Brian Flores stuff real quick Brian Flores got a text message before the announcement of Dable's hiring there in New York. And Bill Belichick texted Brian Flores on mistake, and air quotes on mistake, basically saying, hey, congratulations. It sounds like the Giants are going to hire you. You're their guy. And Flores goes, hey, uh, no idea what you're talking about. I'm not interviewing until tomorrow. Belichick responds, oh, my bad, man. I think that they found Dable. I think that's their guy. My apologies. I'm inclined to actually believe that Bill Belichick did this on purpose. And I there's two ways or schools of thought here. Either he's an old man who made an old man mistake, which is very possible. Two Bryans next to each other in the phone book. You type in one trying to be a good guy, or you have a very vindictive Bill Belichick who helps out a really good friend in Brian Flores. He sticks it to the Giants. He gets his revenge for the Super Bowls. He gets a little revenge on the Miami Dolphins who have been a real thorn in his side. And then, of course, he gets a little revenge on Roger Goodell in the NFL for Deflategate. It just seems a very convenient mistake that all of his enemies are going to take some heat from this and he comes out smelling like a rose. I think Bill Felichek is vindictive and this is a very, very calculating move. Before we get into the allegations and actually talk a little bit about what the lawsuit is entailing, I want to get your opinion. Do you think that Bill Belichick did this on purpose or if this was just a very convenient accident? Well, you know Bill Belichick in his snapbook. He's not really able to – he's not really too tech savvy it seems like. So I can see this being an honest mistake, but why not kind of just give it a little nudge I came in heads up. And, you know, we haven't obviously heard a lot coming out from – Bill Belichick and, and his party ever since this dropped. And I'm kind of interested to see if they, you know, A, what happens is if this is going to court, is Bill Belichick then going to have to testify and, and be, you know, kind of go that far. So we might be seeing one of the biggest lawsuits in the NFL kind of unfolding right in front of us. And I think quite frankly, it's ridiculous and it doesn't make sense. You know, I want to wait until to kind of make my point, about Brian Flores until we get a little bit more into it. But I just don't under I don't understand how we have three teams here that have been historically bad for years outside of take away four championships, the two in the nineties for Denver, the two in the early or late two thousands, then the one right there in the beginning of the two thousand tens for the Giants. And then Miami's just been a shit show just for as long as I've been alive. And they're letting this candidate just walk out the door in New York's favor or in New York's story, not even giving this dude a chance. It's absurd. And now we can kind of get into it before I start popping off. 
I agree, first of all, because Brian Flores should be a head coach right now. He's more than qualified. I would. I told you before, I would have loved him. I wanted Todd Bowles and Brian Flores because I wanted defense because I thought that that would be the key to keep Derek Carr, having Josh McDaniels. It was a lucky mistake, I guess. But let's get into the details, first of all. So in that lawsuit, what he's alleging is that clearly there is racism in hiring, that there are a lot of sham interviews being given to minorities, that they basically show up, and in his account of the Denver interview and why they're in, uh, why they're involved is that they were hammered or at least very hungover when doing the Brian Flores interview the day after. Now, we'll have to wait and see everything come out because the Broncos are adamant against it. They claim that they have a lot of proof that that did not happen. But when you have really credible people like Marvin Lewis coming out and saying, hey, Jerry Richardson and the Panthers, they brought me in for a sham interview before John Fox was hired. And Marvin Lewis, I, I know that it didn't end as well as it would have in Cincinnati, but he's one of the highest respected names in football, just the consummate professional. And the fact that he's even saying that, you see Tony Dungy down there in Tampa with the John Gruden scenario, and it just makes you really wonder if this is true. And then he was, apparently Brian Flores was getting offered money to tank games as well. And with how big gambling is right now in the league, point shaving and game fixing is a really big deal. So depending on how this lawsuit pans out, this has real consequences for the NFL going forward. It's blasphemy. I didn't think that this shit was actually still happening until, well, so you kind of sit back and realize like, look, look, the NFL, the NFL owners, every time they get together, they look like it's a bunch of world war two buddies. It's a bunch of fucking billionaire, 80 year olds, just old as shit. Just think that they can do whatever, buy their time and buy whatever they want. If that's wins, if that's losses, whatever it may be. But the integrity of Brian Flores, my goodness, this guy's getting, think about it. Say that it's, and I want to say he got this offer uh, around week five to just keep losing. 12 weeks he went on. That's 1.2 mil in his face, probably straight cash. And he just said no, and he just went on a win streak. And he took this team to the playoffs last year. Damn near took them to the playoffs again this year after starting 1-7 and seven and going on a huge winning streak. I mean, it's ridiculous, the, just no respect that this guy's getting in the league. And now, now we're going to throw the Giants on here. They're just, oh, just because the Rooney rule, we're just going to pretend that we, that we give two shits about interviewing Brian Flores even though he's probably the best candidate that you could have had for that job. He's a proven winner in the NFL with not really a great quarterback and being able, he, he just leads, he's a leader of men and he's proven that time and time again in that Miami organization. And it's ridiculous and ludicrous that this guy is not only out of a job, but now he's suing the NFL. Not, it's not ridiculous. He is suing the NFL, but it's ridiculous that it's coming to this. Brian Dable's not proven. Is he going to be a great coach? Hindsight will be 2020 when that, when that happens. Nathaniel Hackett, these guys have never coached. You have a proven winner here. Why is Doug Peterson still at home? Why is Jim Caldwell never getting a call? Why is Jim Harbaugh getting a lot more recognition? Then a guy who's proven he can win in a league, it's very hard to win in. What bothered me the most about this is the obvious arrogance of the owners. You touched on it looking like a bunch of World War II vets. It's a bunch of 100-year-old billionaire white dudes. That doesn't obviously reflect what the 70% of black players that are in the league, yet there's only a couple black coaches and they're typically kept on a much shorter lease. The expectations are higher. There is no room for error for those guys. And it just shows that billionaires, they truly believe they're above the law, that they are willing to do this in our face where it's obvious, and they literally just are saying, you can't do a damn thing about it. I hope that this works, and, and what I really hope happens, is I just don't want to see Brian Flores blackballed. If he is, I pray that he goes to college. I hope that he gets a billion dollars down there, because this is an important thing that I'm glad that it's finally kind of getting brought to the light. And that's the, the crazy part. If Bill Belichick did do this on purpose... Talk about an extra thing that just makes his legacy even better, that he's really going on a limb to not only help his friend, but to help black coaches that really don't have the opportunity. 
And this goes well beyond black coaches, too. We, we know women are trying to get in football. We know that other minority groups are trying to get into coaching ranks and haven't. So this is a long... This is very impactful, and not only just for black men. How about we end on a little something, a little lighter-hearted? What do you say? No, fuck that. The Washington football team officially changed their name to the Washington Commanders. My God, that name is whack. It is bullshit. I don't like it. The jerseys look like... They look like hand-me-down jerseys that uh, the five-star team in Texas, don't, they don't want it anymore, so they just go to a nice little podunk little city and just give them away. And they're like, wow, thank you, mister. Those are what those jerseys look like, even though they are the highest-selling jersey in the NFL right now. No shit. The, I want to say the Terry McLaurin uh, burgundy and the Chase Young burgundy are right now. I'm not a fan of them. It takes away from the hail, you know, the HTTR hail to the Redskins at the time. I wanted them to keep that so they can make little tweaks to what that fan base is. And I had a completely, complete overhaul. I hadn't even considered that, but you're right. Yeah, doing something like the Red Wolves, you could have kept with the HTTR and have that whole thing. So that I'd never even put that together. So good call on your part. But it's also so Dan Snyder to have the team name leaked because he... and. Because of the incompetence of that organization to not be able to put up anything to cover a banner that is so large that a helicopter a mile in the air can literally see the name. That's so Washington football, and I hate the name too. It gives me San Diego fleet vibes from the AAF, and that's not a good thing. I, I don't... Yeah, two years. Just keep the Washington football team if you're going to go to the commanders. This is terrible. My buddy Jordan Bud said it the best. He was he's a he's a Washington football team fan. Like I don't get it. A commander fan, excuse you. I'm sorry. I you're right. He's a he's a diehard Commander fan, going Commando as as he's saying the saying is. But he had a great point. He's like I don't. He's like yeah. Of course I get why we want to change the name of the Redskins, but they're looking at it too hard. Just change the mascot. We can still be the Redskins, but our mascot will just be a, a Redskin potato. And we can just keep it there and everything, everyone will be happy. Like, yeah, I don't know if that's going to make any any waves on social media, but that's quite the idea. At least that way, I mean, I truly, and I mean this with my full heart. Who doesn't like potatoes? That's all I'm saying. I think it's a valid argument. I think that being the Redskin Potatoes, literally, just call them the Redskins, it's fine, but with the Redskin Potato logo... I believe that that would be better than the Washington Commanders. Like, genuinely, with my whole heart, believe it would be better. Anything is better than the Commanders. It feels like a Madden Creative team, doesn't it? It, it looks, first of all, the oh, changes from the Washington. Oh, this guy is the Commander, Taylor Heineke. I mean, this guy. It, I mean, it's just, it's not good. I, I don't know how else to say it. It feels like the exact same Washington football team uniforms. With like a tiny tweak. I, it's just two years. It took two years for this? Whatever, I'm done. Last thing before we wrap up. As it sits right now, the Rams are four and a half point favorites and the over-under is 48 and a half. We'll give you your, our real picks next week, but who do you have? So who I'm going to snag there, Wally, is right now, like you said, Rams are minus four and a half favorites. I like the, I'm going to take the Bengals points right now. I'm going to be a little bit shaky closer to that game time and just... Constantly being reminded that Aaron Donald and Von Miller are going to feast against that Cincinnati Bengals line. But Joe Burrow's playing great ball. He could be that next guy, that next great quarterback that wins a Super Bowl in his second year, coming fresh off an ACL tear. We know one thing for sure. He's going to get the comeback player of the year. And I want to ask you this question before you have your prediction. Now, with the way that Joe Burrow was playing, and we were talking about MVPs, and yes, it's a regular season thing, but we... We are, or, or in your opinion, you think that a lot of people do include the playoffs. If that was actually the case, would Joe Burrow automatically be catapulted up, arguably outside of Cooper Cup, with this game being the deciding factor of who would win the MVP? I think that his gap was too large to catch the other quarterbacks. Now, if the other two quarterbacks didn't have the years like they did, maybe. But that would be an obvious they're using the postseason, where at least for Cooper Cup, he had a triple crown winning regular season and one of the best wide receiver years ever. So I hear what you're saying, but I still think that would go cup first. But my pick, I, I as of right now, and it could change, like you said, I, I think I'm going to go Bengals plus four and a half. And I actually think I'm going to take the money line. 
Why not expect Evan McPherson to hit another game-winning field goal in this game? In LA, too, I just think that would be a storybook ending for everybody involved but Rams fans, all 30 of them. (laughs) And with that, that is going to bring us to another episode of Loss of Down. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram at Loss of Down, Twitter down underscore loss. I'm Stephen Whedon. He is Walter Lukashensky. What parting words do you have? I see it on your face. Why do you want to interrupt me? Uh, I guess the only parting words I want to say is you brought up Von Miller and Aaron Donald. They combined for 17 sacks this year. Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard, 21 and a half. Just put that little feather in your cap when you're going into this next week. As always, he is Wally. I'm Steven. And until next time, this is Loss of Down. I'll be in Aruba next time you see me, bitches. Why is there a second Alan Lincoln? <laughs> <laughs>